How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. In today's fast-paced and ever-evolving world, the success of any organization hinges on the skills and expertise of its employees. But how can organizations ensure that their workforce is equipped with the right knowledge and abilities to thrive in a highly competitive landscape? That's where training and coaching come into play. Joining me today are two exceptional guests who bring a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field of learning and development and sales leadership. First, we have Mark Jarvis, who's a Director of Commercial Training and Development. And my second guest is Brian Reardon, who's also a Director of Commercial Training and Development. The both of them have guided numerous individuals towards reaching their professional goals while fostering a culture of continuous growth and improvement, accountability, and trust. Together, they will shed light on the value of training employees and the art of distinguishing when coaching or training is the ideal solution. They'll provide us with practical insights, real-life examples, and actionable strategies to help organizations optimize their training programs and develop a coaching culture that nurtures talent and drives results. Let's jump right into the episode. All right, so I know a lot of the requests from managers, they probably come to you in terms of, I need any training on this or, and so forth. What's the biggest challenge you both come across when getting training requests that come into you? You want me to go first, Brian? Sure. Okay. I see there's two, two main challenges. The first one is alignment between sales and marketing and or any other relevant stakeholder to the training that we're developing. And the biggest challenge is getting them in the same room together and agree on what it is they actually want to accomplish. Everybody comes from a different point of view. Everybody has different priorities. Everybody has different views of what they think they have to be successful. Getting that alignment takes some time up front. It may take several meetings, but it's much better to get it on the up front, because if you don't get that done right and early at the end, it's just a, it's a crunch to get things done if you don't have that alignment correct. And the second piece is really leadership, frontline manager, in particular, pull through of the content that you deliver that's been aligned to in, in doing that. So that is a major, two major challenges that I faced all the time. And again, I fell into the trap of marketing. I'd go meet with marketing and then I'd go meet with sales and I'd come together and I'd try to synthesize that. Doesn't work. I feel like you're just pinging back and forth like, like a ping pong ball. I prefer to do that up front with the stakeholders all together. And then that way it's much more productive and much more efficient. So that's if you're trying to run a program where you have multiple participants from different departments attending at the same time. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. That's That takes the challenge to a whole nother level because you're dealing with multiple different opinions and, and so forth. Is that fair, Brian? I agree with Mark 100%. And the key word that he used was align between stakeholders. And he used the example of sales and marketing, and I'll use the same one. When I've seen it go poorly in the past is when marketing hands the strategy over a wall and says, go off and train on it. And training builds the workshop or the training curriculum and the sales team is like, well, this isn't what we needed. And marketing's like, this isn't what we envisioned. And so getting everybody into the same room is really important. I think one of the challenges too, from a training standpoint is we get tasked with an ask, do this. And oftentimes it's very easy to say, yes, we want to be a valuable partner. We want to see the table. When we get that request, we really need to start peeling back the onion and asking questions like, what's the objective here? At the end of the day, what are you trying to accomplish? Because what I've seen happen in the past is they want a training workshop, but 
we don't know how that ladders up to the North Star and the main strategic imperative that they're trying to pull through. And so I think being respectful through the art of questioning can really help mitigate some of those challenges downstream. Brian, you really bring up, I think, a great point, and that is just asking what I would call either provocative or penetrating or seeking to understand questions that uh, help clarify for training, but also for everybody in the room, quite frankly. Your point about laddering up to the strategy, because training doesn't build strategy, training executes against it and pulls that strategy through. And so having a better understanding of that is critical. A couple of key questions I ask all the time is, tell me what behaviors you think are going to drive your strategy, that if it's successful, you will see these things behaviorally. What would those be? And then they'll list a laundry list of things that says, now prioritize which one of those things is actually going to drive your business outcome that you want to have. And if you can tell me that, now we've got it narrowed down and we can focus to it and we can train to really strong specifics. You can build then a curriculum. I think that's not only just a curriculum, but it's meaningful and relevant. I think of it in terms of Rob, this lead acronym, I should say, like, first we have to learn. What are you trying to solve for? What's that objective? And then the explore is really like, can we brainstorm some options? Let's spitball. What does good look like to you so that we can further align and narrow down these broad possibilities into something more concrete so that we can decide? And if you follow that format, it can lead to robust conversations, but it can also build alignment. And it also provides clear line of sight of who's doing what. That's all. Times the biggest thing with training is we're asked to do so much. Some of it may not even be in our purview. Great point. Great point. That is a great point. And it's great to have both of you on here too, because you both are not only have deep experience in building out training programs, leading training teams, but you were managers as well previously in other roles. For all the managers, for all of you listening out there that go to your training colleagues and partners for requests, as you're hearing from both Mark and Brian that typically what we get, and I'm putting my training hat back on too, is I need training for my employee on this. And then we're sitting there like trying to like really dissect it. And it's just very helpful for those of you out there, the managers that are listening to make sure you come in with what's the learning objective to help us make sure we're building out the right programs. Critical. Absolutely critical. The other thing I'd say as a manager, as a leader, if you're out there, don't abrogate your responsibility as the primary teacher, coach, trainer, because that's your job. And handing it off to us isn't going to solve it because you're still going to have to take it and move forward. So we'd rather have you come in with those specifics and partner with us, not just tell us to do something, but partner with us because you're going to actually have to go deliver it and implement a lot of it. We'll get to the whole pull through. You're spot on. The first piece of what you said, I've seen this so many times. I remember even being, when I was a regional sales director, I was sitting in a meeting once And I remember some of the managers talking about our employees need this. They lack in this. And as I was listening to it, I threw the question out there. I was like, how do we know it's a true training need versus our managers just aren't coaching effectively? How often have you both come across that? Mark talked about being a teacher, trainer, and coach. And I think if I had to guess, one thing that he does really well is set expectations around roles and responsibilities before any type of initiative is rolled out. And that's something that is easily missed is because we want to go and execute. We want to provide value. And I think it's, it's a question that needs to be asked early on in the negotiations in terms of who's doing what and why. But at the end of the day, 
we're here to provide adult learning principles and instructional design, and we're there to help them move along that A to B shift. But it really does take a village. Every single function plays a role in their own employees' development. And so the earlier that we can align with the stakeholder upfront on what we do versus what their ask is, I think it'll help downstream. And to me, it also comes down to asking like three basic questions. And I, I learned this from you, Rob, three years ago when you led a field coaching exercise for our sales leaders. And really the three questions are, does the sales team know what we expect? Are we having clear direction and clear expectations? Do they have the tools, the training, the knowledge, and the resources to do what we expect? That can come really into training. It can come, also come into different internal capabilities. And the third question is, do they have the motivation to do what we expect? Because when they're by themselves 99% of the time, they want to feel about a part of something bigger than themselves. They have to be motivated. That speaks to the culture, that speaks to leadership, that speaks to clear communication. They have to feel vested. And so I think if we can ask those three questions as yeah. we're starting to build out our training, that usually uh, results in some pretty positive outcomes. Totally agree. Oftentimes, like training is used as a crutch. Don't get me wrong, training has a purpose. And Mark, this goes back to what you were saying before. Sometimes we as managers, we we let go of, well, this is really more our responsibilities. We should be doing more of the coaching. Is it really a training issue? And goes back, Brian, I love what you said about the three questions. We do need to kind of uncover what is it that we're trying to accomplish? And is it a, really a true training need or is it something else? Well, and I agree with you, Rob. And I think the big piece here is the tough thing to do is how do you identify a training need versus an actual problem in right. the field? And, and who's responsible ability for executing in the field? That's not a training role. Or, or we need to execute the training. We need to get that done. We don't execute the marketing strategy in the field in front of customers. We don't do that. That's a coaching issue. So I think you need to have a lot of investigation and ask a lot of very penetrating questions when somebody says, we need this training. Because that's kind of the default. I don't know, Brian, if you see that, it's like, we don't know what to do. So it's a training issue. Dang it. Our strategy is unbelievable. And our salespeople are the best people in the world. Therefore, it's a training problem. We need to give them, we got to throw more stuff at the wall and hope it sticks and then we can get to where we need to go. So I think it's absolutely critical for us to ask the questions of leadership. Okay. Is this really a training issue or is this a coaching issue? Is it an execution issue? In, to your points earlier, Brian, to the expectations, have they been clearly communicated? And if they haven't, let's start there before we spend a lot of time, treasure, but anxiety to try to build something that's not meaningful for people because it really didn't. So we didn't correctly identify them. And then when you agree to it, agree to a timeline, because oftentimes the requests are that we need it next week. And I think in the training world, it takes time. And so that's part of expectation setting as well. Agreed. And everything we're talking about applies to really any department, regardless mm -hmm. whether you're in, whether you're in medical, whether you're in IT, it's all the same, same requests come in the same way and it's the same process. Let's talk a little bit about the manager's role because we, we've been, this has come up a few times as we're talking through this. So what does a successful training program look like in terms of making sure the manager of the employees has ownership in it too? So what does good look like from that standpoint? The manager's role is paramount. And if we don't have the manager on board, with the training, then they're not going to implement and pull it through from a coaching standpoint uh, with people. And so oftentimes what we try to do is make sure that the managers understand what we're trying to do, but that they're on board. And if they're not, air their grievances, air their concerns to us prior to rolling out the training initiative. Because 
if they go to their teams and say, this is really not a very important training, then when it's time for them to coach and execute in their territories with their people, they won't be taken as seriously. And it puts us in a bad spot that all of that work that went in for the right reasons isn't being executed upon. And so I think really clear line of sight and clear two-way communication with the managers to make sure that they understand where we're going. But we also don't want it to be a one-way conversation. I think how we get the managers to better coach to it is by having them help build it. And that's really where the alignment part is key. Because if they feel vested as part of the training, that their voice matters, that they were heard, that they contributed to it, then there's a better chance that it'll get implemented and pulled through in the day-to-day. Mark? I agree, Brian. The practically having them help build it is critical. I think from a training manager or a training director, identification of the right field-based leader who is the bell cow, somebody who's got the credibility, who can sell the rest of the managers around that. But you can't have every manager come in and help build every single program. So you got to really identify that right manager to come in to build that and then become an advocate for it moving forward. The other thing that I always try to do in any kind of workshop to try to continue to have them engaged. First of all, everybody does a standard. They do that train the trainer before the meeting and, you know, they have the managers and you review everything, but I always make sure that they have a skin in the game on the day of delivery. They have got to get up in front. They got to stand up in front. They got to pull it through. And I tend to try to make them do the hard part. Here's a hard thing because guess what? I can do it. That kind of stuff's easy for me. I find that easy. Okay. I can do the hard part because you know what, but they need to do the hard part. They need to coach their people in the moment. And you know what? That's not what I was looking for. Go back, come back. Do this, ask the questions, be engaged. If you do that, then you get them bought into it a little bit more. And then uh, then you really multiply your training team by you know, in exponential numbers. So it sounds like that part of the best practice, in order to even get good pull through, you need them on the front end, the managers, whether it's the expectation piece that you're talking about. But I do like the, the idea, I love the idea of even identifying perhaps like a manager within the group to come in and help be somebody to help build it or at least provide input because then you have an advocate within the management ranks. Yes, absolutely. And the identification of that person, everybody, you, if you, as you sit in a, depending on who your stakeholder is, whether it's somebody in marketing, you're building something for marketing or you're building something for a sales organization, the managers carry the weight. You've heard the conversations about it. They have a reputation within the organization. I didn't know that this is a person you might be able to leverage. And so you have to do some background or I will, I call it a little bit of what Brian is really good at is networking. Brian's a master networker, but networking before you actually ever need them to help you with your program. Because then you identify them. And then when you ask for the help, it's not out of the blue. They have a relationship that you've created with them. And I think it's really key. Yep. And here's something too. And we're on, we're in meetings a lot. How often have we ever been in a meeting where a half hour in, we ask the question to ourselves, like, why am I here? And why is this even important to me? It's very easy, no matter what type of corporate role you're in, is like, we, we have an initiative that we need to execute upon. And we get into this tactical mode of execution, as opposed to thinking about it from the people in the audience and the stakeholders, what's in it for them? And I think from a frontline manager perspective, if we can tie the WIPM to how this training, whatever it may be, will positively impact their day-to-day, which will help them lead their teams better, which will help them deliver for the bottom line, then they're going to be more apt to receive that training. And so always thinking about the customer that we're serving, the audience that we're presenting to, and why this information is relevant. I could not agree more. You have to explain the why, what's in it for them. 
managers. Yep. And, you, and you've got to be able to abandon yourself as a training person to the strengths of other leaders, because guess what? Those people that you're, that are your stakeholders, the end users, they really know, even though I've had a lot of roles, we've all had different roles today, they know that role better than I know. Things change. Challenges are slightly different. There's nuances that I might not be aware of. So I need to trust them. And if you build that relationship and that with them is explained, then you got some things that are powerful because you got to step back and say, let me really listen to what they're saying. I think that's a great point because oftentimes I would get requests from like leaders to, well, my employees need this type of training. And, but sometimes it goes back to why you have to really ask a lot of questions and love the acronym, Brian, that even like lead, as you talked about before, oftentimes I would find a disconnect from what the leaders think the employees need to what the employees actually need. I'm sure you both have come across that a lot. Yep. And that's not an easy and Mark, have you ever been in a conversation where a leader says, we need this, and you have to have that crucial conversation to say, I've talked to one ring below you and two rings below you, and this is what they're saying they need. So where's the disconnect here? Last week, Brian, it's every single time. And it just like, it's a unique position to be able to sit in here and to have those conversations. And it goes to leadership courage. I think it's what it has to happen. At some point in time, you have to say, well, I'm hearing this that contradicts what you're saying today. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that they're right. What I am saying is it doesn't match. And whatever we create, if we don't have an alignment, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, alignment on the what, it will not be successful. It just won't be. Because the, the people that we're, tra we're trying to train to build the train for, they were not relevant to me. It's not what I need today. But I think what's an interesting conversation, Brian, how do you handle this one? Well, that's not what they need. That's what they want. What they need may not be what they want. How do you handle that? I just give the senior leader what they want then at, at that point. They're paying for their budget. So there's, there could be some truth in that though, too. And so I, how I typically handle that one is to bubble it back up to the North Star and the strategic imperatives. Every business unit, every franchise, no matter your role, you're hopefully rowing in the same boat in the same direction with rhythm to accomplish one or two of the biggest goals. And so... Maybe there's a way to thread the needle where you're developing a training that can meet the needs of the senior leader as well yeah. as one to two rings below, but I'm not afraid to push back and to share my point of view. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you have to be okay with that. I think that also speaks to the credibility as trainers over time where yeah. you become a trusted partner and people are, will listen to your opinions and recommendations. The other side of it too is though, I always would ask for specific examples of, all right, so if this is what you think they need, let's talk through what led you to believe that to help them even break it down. Because sometimes they might even be too close to it. And Rob, another question I always ask is, what is it, what does good look like in your mind? Do you have anybody you, you've seen does it well? Because a lot of times it's not specific. It's a very general, they need high level thing because senior leaders are thinking way high. Okay. So let's like, what does good look like in your mind? Based upon that, who have you seen executed that you go, that was what I want to see. That's the element. And what are the key elements then did you see in that execution by that individual that we might be able to leverage them and move beyond? That's a transferable skill. Yeah. You know, one, one thing th we haven't talked about yet, Rob, which I think is paramount is how are we going to measure it? Training's hard. It's hard to develop. It's hard to execute, but it's especially hard to measure. And no matter which stakeholder we're interacting with, like they have metrics that they need to execute upon. And so from a training standpoint, learning and development, that is something that we need to think about going in, like not only what good looks like, but at the end of the day, three months, six months, and nine months out, how are we gonna measure this to show that it was worth the investment? And more importantly, that 
behaviors were changed. Well, I think this goes back to even what we were talking about before, where you need the managers involved. Because once people leave my training sessions, like I don't have the visibility, the touch points, but the managers certainly do, at least they should. And maybe yep. this gets back to what we were talking about before, is that why that pull through and getting the managers involved is so important. Because they're the ones that really should be able to measure it. If we're changing, we're going to change, increase skills, knowledge, or change some behaviors. Mark? I think we go back to our customers as well to measure some of that stuff. Because a lot of times it's behaviors you wanted to show up, and we can measure that with our marketing partners through this behavior. Our reps do A, B, and C. Often, sometimes, never, whatever it might be, you do a baseline measure, you do a training, you do pull through with the managers, and at the back end, they you can see movement six, eight, 12 months periods. And, oh, this, do, it's happening more often. And then what good looks like in terms of, is it well done? Well, then that, then you have to really go to your leaders around that. And you can also maybe even go to your customers, but that's why you have to have a partnership with multiple stakeholders across your organization, because you got to sneak those into ATUs and market research and things like that to be able to get feedback and then a good agreement that you can continue that to measure it over time. Well, the other thing too, is that leaders think that my employee goes through a training event, we're done, which has always been a pet peeve of mine, the flavor of the month, flavor of the year training event. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this. At least, do you think in your opinions that the programs that actually have multiple touch points along the way, whether it's pull through reminders, tend to be the ones that become more successful versus just the, let's just do a training event? Yes, for sure. Mark and I come from the same training school and he's probably familiar with the Ebbing House forgetting curve that shows yep. 70 to 90% of information's lost within the first 30 days. We come, we learn, and then we forget. And so these bite-sized learnings, these small learnings over time can really help solidify the information. And so training's not an event. It oftentimes is asked of us to build an experience and an event. To me, a good training plan is what are you doing before the event? What are you doing at the event? And what are you doing after? And have it a series of touch points across a number of different modalities because people right. learn in different ways. And I think... If you can do that, then the outcomes will be positive. Mm -hmm. And if you, and Brian, and I did go to the same school. He, he started when he was three years old. I started when I was 12 years old. So yeah. it's a lot of but no, but to the point of the different modalities is critical. But you know, you think about career development, 70, 70, 20, 10, basically is what you're yeah. talking about. If you can do those touch points and that on the job, so it's really practical in their day-to-day -day application of what's going on in their job. That'll pull through that knowledge base at the 10%, which is that training event. If you can pull that through and put it in there, and it could be simply one of the tools we use is, hey, they got to send videos of themselves to their manager expressing what they're doing with A, B, and C, pulling something through. And they get coaching on it and they get feedback in the moment. And then they got to go back and they got to, they practice it like eight or nine or 10 times. And then you do a vertical and then you do this and you do that. And that creates behavior change, not just knowledge transfer. But Mark, I'm an expert at what I do. I don't need to video myself and send it to my manager. I'm already great. Why should I do that? You are great, Brian. So is Tiger Woods. But the bottom line is at any moment, you could lose the skill. There could be things that are coming in. It's just you have to continually involve. You have to continually improve. You're great today. Will you be great tomorrow if you don't do these things? I mean, any, anything you do, you know, you hear it. And I, I love sports, but I won't use sports analogy. But if you want to be a CFO, if you want to be a doctor, guess what you have every single year? Continuing medical education, right? You continue with certifications that have to come through. You have to demonstrate your skill is still there 
or it's improving as things and technology changes. So that's kind of- I, I agree 100%. I love the analogy 211 versus 212 degrees. Yep. 211, the water's hot. And at 212, it boils. And with boiling water comes steam and steam yep. can power a locomotive. Yep. Yep. It's literally that one degree that makes all the difference in business and in life. And so like, that's what we're trying to do here is how do you go yourself individually from 211 to 212 degrees? What's that one extra degree mean to you? And that's why we're doing this training. And sometimes that one degree could be the manager's involvement. For sure. I, Rob, I just, I can't emphasize enough the frontline manager. It, it's, it is the most critical role. I don't care what the size of your organization, how big it is, how small it is. That frontline manager is the apex of everything. Strategy goes nowhere if you don't have a frontline manager pulling it through. Execution doesn't happen. The coaching doesn't happen if the frontline manager doesn't do it. So I, I think that frontline manager is the most important role. I think it's a high calling for individuals that are in that role. I mean, because of the impact you have on people, we tend to lose that because we get bogged down. And Brian talked about there's stuff that gets thrown at us. Let's just deliver. Let's not do it. Be methodical up front because if you have that apex on your side, things happen. Great leaders are great teachers. That's right. A little tip out there for managers listening. If you have an employee going through a training event, you should be discussing it on your next one-on-one on how can I best support the training you just went through. And also, have either one of you or both been in a year-end review, you know, performance evaluation time, and you're getting feedback for the first time that you had never heard before. I mean, if you see it, say it. Coaching is a year-round conversation-by-conversation exercise. And so I think that's the other reason why managers are so critical is because they can really help influence like the day-to-day actions all throughout the year. Even from a development standpoint, I found myself at times with weekly one-on-ones with my team. And then I'm trained to sprinkle in some development conversations. Here's where you are in your career. Here's where you want to get to, like, let's build the plan. And what I have found is it's a lot more productive for both of us, as well as a lot more meaningful to the employee. If you schedule your own development quarterly one-on-one for the purpose of that is solely for their career pathing. And you know what? We're not here today talk about business. We're here to talk about you. And so let's work on that together. And I, and Rob, I mean, different companies call frontline managers. They call managers, they call them leaders. I, I just, I don't like the term manager. I know there's a lot of that going on. I like the term leader because leader to me is a higher calling than a manager. Manager is just simply moving paper back and forth or managing a flow or managing a process. It's all part of the job. Don't get me wrong, but the secret sauce is leadership. You're not a cheerleader. You're a leader. You're actually going to have to have the tough conversations and coach and show that you care about these people, invest in them, and that you're going to take the time to do that. To Bryce's point, having a separate thing or that's totally moved away from their actual job one-on-one, where it's just not, what's just, what about you? What do you want to do? How can we help you get there? But that whole courage piece of leadership and having those crucial conversations that are ongoing is the greatest way you can show, I think, respect and care for people. You care enough for them to give them the coaching so they can achieve their dreams. Well said. That applies at every single level of leadership. I don't care if you're a VP and you've got senior directors reporting into you, you should be having the exact same conversations. There's different skill sets that are needed for different levels of leadership. Agreed. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I do a training event and the employees will look at me and say, are our managers going through this training? (laughs) And I'm like, well, they're going to get something like this. So so that way they are equipped to make sure they're going to be supporting you along the way. So may not need, they may not need to go through the entire training, but 
typically I will provide something to the managers to make sure they are helping to pull it through because it's so critical. And again, it's interesting. Every time I get that question from the employees, that alone is enough evidence to support what we're talking about here. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I don't care the size of your company. I mean, Brian, you work for a larger company. I work for a smaller company. It's, it, there's just some things that are just foundational and uniform. And regardless of the size of the company, they're just there. Yep. Agreed. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. Thank you.